welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Happy April, everyone. It's the beginning of a new season of anime with spring 2021 upon us. In fact, things kicked off uh, earlier this season with My Hero Academia Seasons 2 starting two Saturdays ago. Um, I've delayed this episode a little bit so I can get the last few episodes that aired on Saturday um, into this review. Uh, that being said, I am currently up to my neck with all the new anime to watch for the next episode where I go over all of the first episodes of the approximately 50 spring 2021 shows that I've decided to to decide what I keep watching, uh, which, by the way, next episode is the one-year anniversary of this show. Um, I do have to give my final ratings, though, for the shows I finished from this past Winter 2021 season. Uh, there are a lot of shows to, to go through, I believe about 25 or so, um, not, not in, 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 on top of the sorts, so why don't we get through things, shall we? To start things off, let's talk about shows I actually didn't finish this season. I usually wouldn't, but given how packed this season was, I legitimately needed to put on some hold, some series, until I had more free time to see, and I said I would revisit them at some point uh, at the end of the season. One of these shows was The Promised Neverland Season 2. If you've been following the discourse online, you probably know how this turned out, but in case you didn't, I had put the series on hold after the first episode with the intent on if the episode seemed to be getting good reception online, um, I would come back and finish it off. Um, that being said, that day never came as the news I got from Skipping on Reddit and Twitter was just how quickly the series devolved and went downhill, uh, skipping the second best arc in the entire manga and cramming what would have been an entire season's worth of content down into a uh, st slide so at the end of the series at the end of the episode final episode i was already lukewarm on the adaptation from the first episode uh given i had read some of the manga uh, and knew that you know the aforementioned skip arc uh was probably the highlight of, of this arc and, and it would have gone downhill from there uh with a somewhat unsatisfying if complete ending but it just looked like the production committee just gave up halfway through i believe one episode they didn't even have a credited writer behind it so yeah i've officially moved promise neverland 2 to my dropped list on my anime list uh, the first season i think stands alone pretty pretty well and should still be watched and worth checking out but man that's just such a disappointment on what could have been as far as the other sequels this season, I still have the second season of Quintessential Quintuplets on hold. Just never found time to get around to watching it. Um, I've heard it's actually not that bad, so I'm just keeping it on hold for now. They have announced a third season coming up, so maybe I'll make time to binge season 2 whenever season 3 comes around. Uh, also on hold are still Dragon Quest Adventures of Dai and the new Digimon Adventure remake, as well as Osumatsu San Season 3, which I still need to watch Season 2 before getting to. Uh, I also haven't gotten around to Beastars Season 2 or ReZero Season 2 Part 2 because I haven't finished Season 1 on either of those um, just yet. Uh, Beastars will be coming to the States on Netflix, uh, I believe, in the, at the end of this season, so I still have, to, I still have some time to watch Season 1. And finally, I haven't been following Black Clover, uh, the anime, for a while. I still read the manga, um, but gotta give them a shout out for finishing up 170 episodes with a movie on the way. Um, the manga is pretty hype if, you know, conventional sword and tropes. Um, so if the movie ever ends up in theaters here in the States, I may just go check it out. Also, I don't normally keep up with One Piece uh, since, you know, I just read the manga. I don't really bother with the anime adaptation. But the recent Wano Odin flashback arc has been amazing to check out. Uh, it's probably one of the best flashbacks in the entire series. So uh, I've been checking it out and make sure you should do if you have a chance. Um, and I'll caught up with the manga and know what's going on. Also, we'll just do a quick rundown of all the shows I dropped to refresh your memories to refresh your memory from earlier this season. Uh, it's an alphabetical order by name that I 
sort in, uh, in have in my notes, honestly, English or Japanese, just whatever I have. Um, two, four, three, volleyball, X Arm, Gekai Doll, um, Hidden Dungeon Only I Can Enter, Hortensia Saga, I2, Idols, um, Kai Bio Ramune, LBX Girls, Project Scarred, Redo of Healer, Skate Leading Stars, Urasekai Picnic, and Wave Surfing Yape were all dropped earlier this season. Also worth noting, uh, Vlad Love was a series that started out on February 14th on YouTube and released a couple of in a couple of waves on Crunchyroll, about six episodes at a time, about a blood donation obsessed girl who comes across a vampire, uh, and you can kind of start to see the pieces coming together where this might go. Uh, the appeal of this is that the legendary Ghost in the Cell director Mamoru Oshii is behind this without a production committee uh, holding him back, and it's supposedly a slapstick comedy. The thing is about comedy though is that it's one of the more subjective genres out there, uh, so it just didn't quite stick with me. Uh, I ended up moving it to my dropped category after two episodes. Uh, moving to shows that I actually have been watching, there are a handful of shows that are continuing to next season that I haven't, I'm not going to give a full score just yet, um, but a tentative score. Uh, first up, we have Back Arrow. Uh, it's a Friday show on Funimation. I can't quite fully wrap my head around. Um, whenever I'm not watching it, I think it's kind of dumb and honestly put off watching the newest episodes for a couple of weeks at a time. But whenever I'm in the middle of watching it, um, I actually find myself enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, the initial draw of this was that it's an anime original work from the writer of my all-time favorite series, Tengen Torpo Gurren Lagan. And there are definitely elements in the show that mirror what's happening uh, happened in Gurren Lagan. Uh, perhaps though, with not the same production quality that a Studio Trigger or Gainax brought uh, back in their heyday. Um, so not quite up to the same heights. Um, and again, there are also some extraneous, annoying elements, uh, in particular the, the attitude of the elders in the village uh, kind of annoy me. Um, but, you know, when it gets to the accent and kind of like some of the character drama, it actually is not that bad. Um, and there were some twists at the end of this particular season that uh, really got me uh, invested. So I technically have this as a 2 out of 5 so far. I think it has potential to turn around and be a hidden them, especially if it can stick the ending, um, kind of like in the same way Gurren Lagan really spirals out of control by the end. Um, but thus far, it hasn't it hasn't quite gotten there on what we've seen so far. So hopeful, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't rise above that level. On the flip side, we have So I'm a Spider, So What, aka the Spider Isekai. Uh, this one started off as a two out of five for me. Uh, you know the. It's felt like a very slow pace, almost like a ripoff of this of the the time I was reincarnated as a slime. The human isekai element, you know, didn't really quite seem as appealing, um, and it wasn't really quite as clear as other isekai. Um, but it's worked up its way to be one of the better isekai I've seen, with now tentative four out of five stars so far. Again, part of, I think part of the appeal is that halfway through the season, uh, you realize just how expansive the world is and how developed the power system is, which is you know they kind of grip fed you early on, um, but kind of the true nature of the world. World, um, you know that and that 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 and the true nature of what brought these high school students to be reincarnated, and you know that storytelling. There's a bit of a storytelling structure that you weren't really expecting from the beginning. All of those become apparent by the midway point, and that kind of like what elevates the show. Uh, the animation does take some getting used to, uh, especially since in order to, uh, to more effectively animate Kumoko the spider and her eight legs, they needed to rely on CG models for that, um, as well as you know some of the uh, other monsters that she runs into. But if you can appreciate the CG in Beastars or Door Head Roar, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, the other highlight, I think, is Kumoko's voice actress, Aoyuki, who of course, this is a standing ovation uh, for carrying the bulk of the show with her phonetic monologues as Kumiko throughout. Um, I can definitely see why so many light novel readers have praised the source material, and I'm looking forward to see where the second season will take us into the spring. 
Now, another story I was also a bit surprised by was Wonder Egg Priority out of Cloverworks. Uh, this is an anime original that I think hits a completely different tone than most shows, being almost like an art house film. Um, now, truth be told, I actually stalled out around episode 7 of this and haven't finished all 12 episodes. Uh, the main reason being that due to the behind-the-scenes production issues, uh, which if you're watching the show, honestly, you wouldn't really tell unless you follow on the online discussion, um, the production team just ran out of time and had to do a recap episode for episode 8. Uh, this means that episodes 9 through 12 are all basically pacing one episode behind where they would have been. You know, episode 9 showing the, the content that would have been in episode 8, meaning for the intended 12 episodes, or yeah, 12 episodes, episode 12 was showing the content meant for episode 11. Uh, so, you know, the, the original content meant for 12 is actually being pushed back to the end of the spring season uh, for a special finale 13th episode, uh, kind of similar to what Kekai Sensen did a while back. Uh, this is a show, perhaps more than any other so far, um, requires the ending to stick. The ending is paramount to the quote, you know, Glass Reflections. Uh, and if it does, it'll join the annals, I think, of legendary shows, original anime. Um, but if it's a, uh, otherwise, if it doesn't, it'll be a, frankly, a dumpster fire of wasted potential. If it kind of goes, uh, the unfortunate, you know, uh, congratulations, Evangelion, you know, doesn't really tie up the loose ends in the potential. Um, I was already begging episodes to watch, you know, three or four at a time because it's one of those shows where you need to be in a particular mood to watch. You know, I, it's something I wanted to binge as opposed to following along week to week. So once it became certain, um, I, it became unclear that whether they would finish it on time or not. Um, I put this on hold until the final episode airs. So no score for this one just yet. I, it'll just depend on how the ending ends up doing. Um, honestly, yeah. Uh, now moving to a show, I, another show that, you know, um, you know, uh, isn't going to be finishing for a while. Um, you know, this one I didn't preview at the start of the season because it hadn't aired yet, um, but it's Maiko-san Chi no Makanae-san, or Kyo in Kyoto from the Maiko House. Um, it didn't start airing until the end of February, and actually it's a monthly show, um, stream airing on NHK World in Japan, and then later on Crunchyroll at the end of every month. So, so far there have been two episodes, uh, one in February, one in March. Each episode is a compilation of three eight-minute segments following Sumire and Kyo, two friends from Aomori who moved to Kyoto to try and be become Geisa. Uh, Sumire actually has talent and progresses to Maiko or Apprentice Geisa status, while Kyo drops out of training but still lives in the Geisa house as their uh, helper and, and cook. Um, so, you know, she supports uh, her friend Sumire through her cooking. Uh, this is a very comfy food-based focus show, obviously, with each segment teaching a little bit about Geisa life and culture. It is capped off with a conversation between Sumire and Kyo about a particular dish that uh, appeared in that particular segment, be it a particular stew or a particular type of bread or something. A little bit more education about the niche corner of Japanese culture and some comfy food, what more can you ask for? Uh, it's, it's obviously not a huge time commitment since it's only half an hour per month with only two episodes out so far, so this is on my going to be on my currently watching list, I believe, for probably a year at this point. Uh, currently, I give it a preliminary score of 3 out of 4, 5, uh, comfy if a little bit unambitious. Uh, also starting partway through the season is the so uh, D4DJ Petite Mix. Uh, I talked last season about how D4DJ first mix, uh, the cute girls doing cute anime uh, anime that's basically an advertisement for an upcoming rhythm mobile game from Bussy Road, uh, was an underrated gem of last season for me between the, uh, you know, 
fun characters, uh, CG animation, and great musical performances. Uh, between the end of the full-length series and the um, and the eventual launch uh, in spring of the of the mobile game here in the West, they co- they're continuing the momentum for the pending worldwide launch with a mini be sort uh, with each episode focusing on a different DJ group, including some not from the original full series and appearing only in the game. Uh, this is just a quick two to three minutes uh, a week on YouTube uh, with some characters who I already like. It's a nice way to keep on top of whenever the game eventually launches. Uh, which I'm looking forward to. Not the most ambitious thing, um, so about a 2 out of 5 for me. Now, that transitions us nicely to shows that completed this last season, and we'll start off with the sort shows. Um, and I can't mention a sort uh, without that might unironically be anime of the season for me. Um, a Pupoi Molkar uh, is a two-minute stop-motion animated sort that aired as part of TV Tokyo's Kinder TV variety program for children and were uploaded to Bandai Namco's YouTube channels on a weekly basis. Uh, directed by stop-motion animator Tomoki Misato over the last year and a half, the, com- the completely dialogue-less show explores a world of molkars, a guinea pig car hybrids, the name coming from the Japanese word for guinea pigs, Morumoto. Um... Now, I'm a bit of a, bit of a sucker when it comes to stop-motion animation in general. Uh, one of my earliest favorite movies was uh, Ardman's Chicken Run, and I love almost everything by Studio Laika. Um, but the pure technical tar- artistry required to make a compelling story working in 3D materials, uh, such as the, you know, the Feldcraft mold cars here, is impressive in and of itself, um, you know, combined with the animation and the sound design. Uh, add on to that a pretty clearly, cleverly written narrative that's simple enough for children to understand, but well-developed enough for adults to be engaged with, and all working telling complete story within a two-minute time limit, uh, which is in some ways is much harder than trying to write a coherent story when you have you know a much longer time frame to work with, and there's no dialogue at all. This is like a masterclass uh, in technical anime production. Now, plus, you know, there is even a compelling world built out that covers a wide variety of genres from action to sci-fi to magical girl to adventure to horror to slice of life to even a musical. Uh, Poi Poi Molkar literally has it all to the point that early on it was actually rated in Japan as the number one anime of the season from Filmark's the largest anime review site. And I'm excited to see to hear that Studio Wit has brought on the director to lead a stop-motion studio under them for future projects. Uh, Popoy Molkar actually got picked up by Netflix for distribution worldwide after the first season aired since there's no need to dub it since there's no dialogue. So, you know, uh, treat yourself to about half an hour of fuzzy Molkar goodness as soon as possible. Uh, Inotoneko, aka With a Dog and a Cat, Everyday Life is Fun, is a sort that carries over from the last season, uh, adapting a manga series of the mangaka's life with her two pets and the differences between how the dog and cat respond to different situations. It's a two-minute sort weekly show with one of the highlights being uh, Kana Hanazawa as the voice of the protagonist. Having just recently adopted a dog myself and having a wife who loves animals, this was always just a fun two minutes on Friday to sail together, and we'll both be sad to see it go um, in the future. And, you know, maybe we can get a second season potentially. Anyway, uh, 3 out of 5 for me, you can catch this one on Crunchyroll. Uh, ABC Working Diary is another animal-based sort following a not quite sure what it is, um, what species it is, but basically an intern at a television station uh, with each two-minute episode featuring a different part of what it takes to put on a television show from the you know cue cards to the script writing to doing interviews or dealing with guests. Um, usually these involve ABC, uh, which is quite a name, uh, voiced by Aoyuki, again, all hailer Spider Queen, uh, being a bit of a clutch uh, around the studio as they make up for it with their enthusiasm. Uh, it's a bit simple, um, but you know, coherent enough to get the three out of five for me, again available on Crunchyroll. 
Suddenly, Egyptian Gods uh, was a story that started late last season, uh, featuring TV versions of the Egyptian Gods uh, in a slice of life show where they bounce off of each other, you know, uh, Anubis, Toth, Bast, um, and or- Osiris, and so on, in four to seven minute episodes. Uh, this is Final Crunchyroll, and, you know, it's cute enough, but, you know, just lack enough uh, both in the art style, which is definitely cute if ambitious and, you know, not really much there narratively. It just, it just basically is just about a, a slightly below average two out of five. And then finally, we have Armor Stop for Ladies and Gentlemen Season 2. Uh, now, Season 1 got a 2 out of 5 from me. A pretty paper-thin plot, uh, if you can call it that, and limited animation with, you know, some fan service, but, you know, the, the big redeeming factor being the fourth wall-breaking humor. Uh, here, the same humor doesn't quite hit the same the second time around. Maybe it's because I was expecting it to come around. Um, plus, you know, they also doubled the length with another movie-based B-plot throughout that was really lazily animated, which one of the appeals, I think, of sorts so is you can have the chance to do something. Some, uh, experimentation with animation like Pui Pui Mulkar. So there's not much to say here except, you know, just giving it a 1 out of 5 uh, in this case. Now, before moving on to the uh, to the full-length uh, anime, I have to give out the first award of the episode uh, to the best anime sort of the season, uh, with only one show getting a 5 out of 5. It's pretty uncontested that Pui Pui Mulkar takes the honors here. Congratulations to all the guinea pigs. Now, Armor Stop from Another World was another sequel, and I had mentioned some earlier sequels I didn't quite finish, but let's get to the sequels and spin-offs I was able to complete. Uh, first off, Cells at Work Season 2 was a series, well, the original Cells at Work was a series I really enjoyed the first time around as a form of edutainment. Uh, heck, I even cosplayed as the Red Blood Cell at one of the conventions here in New York. I forget it was Anime NYC or Anime or New York Comic Con. Anyway, the reimagining of the inner workings of the body with a surprising degree of scientific accuracy was something I could really appreciate, um, and it married, you know, lovable characters to follow along with, uh, who bounce off each other really well, um, um, you know, red blood cells earnestness, uh, white blood cells awkwardness. Um, it made this a hit overall when it aired back in 2018. Uh, that said, season two doesn't quite hit the same notes, I think. Uh, perhaps it was because it was less focused on the red blood cell, white blood cell interactions. Um, you know, and perhaps it was, you know, spoilers, um, a repeat of, you know, the main climactic moment being a resurgence of the same protagonist from before, which I guess makes sense from a biological perspective, you know, cancer remission, but uh, it just felt kind of lazy writing, um, especially, you know, a lot of the other issues we have was kind of just elaborating on the same cells we had seen before, not really introducing too many, um, the exception, of course, being the lactic acid bacteria, who were a highlight. Um, I don't know, maybe I just feel sorted because it was also just a very brief eight episodes um, due to not a lot of, you know, source material left over. Uh, maybe I'll do an OVA for the final COVID-specific uh, chapter. Anyway, whatever the case, this didn't hit the same way. I will say again, the lactic bacteria the lactic acid bacteria were super great like this, and if only because their pure cuteness somehow even surpassed those of the Arone Arone platelets. Um, overall, Soul Set Work Season 2 will get nets a 2 out of 5 from me. Uh, the other Souls at Work spinoff this season was the darker Souls at Work Black. Uh, if Souls at Work is about a body working functionally, you know, the cancer aside, uh, Black is about a body under duress due to not being taken care of. Um, too much caffeine, alcohol, not enough sleep or exercise or healthy food, not to mention the STDs. Um, you know, while the art style of Studio Dean producing this is a little bit different than that from David Productions, who does the mainline series, um, it does match, you know, the different uh, tonal shift 
of the story being a little bit darker um, and more intense. Um, I think the storyline and plot, you know, was much stronger than that of the second season of Cells at Work mainline. Um, and, you know, having the freedom to look into other problems that the body might have that the main series really can't without making it really confusing of, you know, how these different conflicting things are still functional um, was very interesting, I think. You know, it also was a little bit of commentary, right, on the idea of work and what it means to work for somebody who's not, not taking care of you properly. Um, and the weird meta stuff of like, this is a black company within the body, likely because the employee was working at a black company. But anyway, uh, following the arc of the body's red blood cell and his friends and what happens to them along the way with some really intense twists, um, you know, that, that you won't that you won't really see coming, you know, definitely motivated me to take better care of my own body. That's for sure. Uh, overall, Souls at Work Black gets three out of five for me. Uh, next up, we have That Time I Was Reincarnated as a Slime Season 2. Now, this was a little bit weird since they're actually splitting up this season into a split core with 12 episodes airing this past season and then 12 coming up again uh, in the winter season uh, with you know with uh, 12 episodes in between during spring being a spinoff of uh, the Slime Diaries about the day-to-day -day life in the Kingdom of Tempest. Uh, the first four episodes of this you know this arc here basically built on the world building from the first season. It's in, the, in what I call the Age of Empire mode uh, of reincarnating as a slime where he's you know, doing the nascent building doing diplomacy and all that I'm um, a little bit more about the world and other countries out there the latter eight episodes cover the next big challenge that faces their kingdom um, and you know continues the development and evolution of Rimu's power uh, overall I'd say it's up to par with what the series has offered so far you know animation wise more or less the same perhaps one or two episodes you know mostly dialogue but those are also with some stunning uh, fight scenes um, and then you know the world just continues to expand further I see potentially there's a risk at some point that the cast just grows so big and unwieldy that, you know, what who people who were previously beloved side characters kind of get settled off as new characters get added to the roster. Um, so, you know, I think that's just like a reality of this kind of show, though. Overall, though, I think it's still, you know, hitting above average a four out of five. Now, another nascent building show, in a sense, we have Dr. Stone Season 2 Stone Wars. Uh, Dr. Stone is one of my current favorite jump series in print, uh, and this was a really great arc to read. Um, as much as such, you know, there's not too many surprises for me, but, you know, seeing it come to life on screen was a really great time. I think they even threw in, you know, a few inventions that were anime original that I enjoyed I hadn't seen in the manga. You know, I think the most exciting thing about this season, though, is frankly that we just got confirmation that there's going to be a season three. Not that this is a bad season, of course, but the next season just blows it out of the water. It's potentially my favorite arc. While season two definitely did have some investments, it focused mostly on the resolution of the conflict between Chukasa and Senku. And where I think Dr. Stone really signs the brightest is reveling in the seal joy of the scientific process and developing and inventing things or reinventing things. And, you know, there wasn't as much of that here. So getting more of that in the upcoming season, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, overall, Dr. Stone Season 2, Stone Wars, gets a 4 out of 5. Uh, next up, we have Log Horizon Season 3. Now, Season 1 is one of my all-time favorite anime, being the rare 10 out of 10 from me on my anime list. Uh, season 2 somewhat dropped a bit, to, a bit due to the change in studios affecting animation, but uh, if the story is focused primarily on dialogue to explain nation building and economics and world systems, I'm okay with you know action scenes being you know somewhat not as common. Now, it's been, what, six years since Season 2? Um, and, you know, that... 
that didn't stop them, though, from just jumping straight into the plot and not holding back at all on the intricate world building and relying that we know what's going on. And, you know, it was a little bit disorienting to start off a little bit. But, you know, I, I caught up via some refresher videos and Reddit posts and, you know, um, ready to roll back in the database. And I really enjoyed the season overall. You know, there were roughly three arcs. One focused heavily on the political elements. Um, that, I think, is the core strength of the show. Um, but then one also sets up a potential future arc. And then, you know, checking out what happened with Quest and then the final arc, um, you know, uh, the the it focus on the younger members, which you know some people don't enjoy those characters as much. I don't have a problem with them personally, um, but I think it also dug into the life as a video game element, which I think is the other really strong point of this show, um, aside from you know the isekai uh, world building part of it. So um, you know, I think that. Overall, I really enjoyed this season. Um, now, if there's anything, there's a little bit of bittersweetness to this, though, right? So the material covered over these three, uh, this these twelve episodes, actually have not been published in light novel form yet. They've been published in web novel, but haven't been yet adapted to light novel. And we actually have caught up completely to the web novel. I think maybe there might be one or maybe half a volume left. So you know, we don't really know when a season four will come and if slash when these uh, we will be able to resolve the story that kind of has been set up here. Um, I really hope it does. And, you know, I think at the very least for Log Horizon's credit, um, if and whenever those volumes end up going on sale, um, the anime would obviously be a perfect way for production committees to advertise it. So um, whenever you know that story completes, hopefully we are able to get, to get a completion of that story uh, down the road. That said, you know, maybe this is a little bit high, maybe it's a little bit my own bias, um, and, and but I think when taken as part of a whole for the entire Log Horizon franchise, season three ended up being a four out of five for me. Now, that brings us to the two biggest sequels this season. Uh, one, of course, is the myth, the legend, Attack on Titan, the final season. Or is it the final season? Um, at the end of the 75th episode, we got a confirmation that the second half of the final season uh, will be coming in about a year's time, winter 2022, uh, to wrap up the story. Which, you know, as someone who's a manga reader, you know, the final chapter being published, I believe, this week, later this week, man, it's been such a ride. And, you know, I'm... I'm Honestly, it's pretty glad I, I decided to read the manga, if only because I don't have to worry about being spoiled. Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of dialogue online, especially Twitter, about MAPPA and CG ruining the show, blah, 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 which I just don't buy into, right? Especially in the season when XARM also exists. Uh, putting aside, you know, the industry issues that MAPPA tends to perpetuate, which check out the Canapa Effects video whenever that drops on that. Um, what these so-called fans are asking for would mean that we'd have to wait even longer, if ever, for the final season to come out for all. Um, which, you know, was basically a non-starter for the production committee since they wanted the final season to coincide with the aforementioned final manga chapter as a final sales push. Um, in any case, though, you know, as an adaptation, sure, there were some things I think that could have been that would cut outside that, you know, maybe was done so for pacing reasons, but would have been like the ni nice to see animated. But, you know, without getting too much into spoilers, I think they did this, this arc justice. Um, personally, it's not my favorite arc, um, though I think in hindsight, I've gained a greater appreciation for what this arc is doing. But I think you can start to see all the pieces ECM has come together, putting together. Um, you know, I can't give the season anything aside from a five out of five. <laughs> Now, surprisingly, or perhaps not so surprisingly for those in the know, Attack on Titan is not strictly head and shoulders above every anime this season, um, at least for me. 
at least operating on the axis that they're intending to go for. Um, so intense drama, world building, action, no so really comes close to what Attack on Titan is doing. However, for shows looking for comfort and giving you a warm, positive feeling, I would say your camp season two accomplished this in some ways as well as Attack on Titan does its intense drama. Uh, perhaps a little bit of a hyperbole, but hey, I gotta say something crazy to for, click, for clickbait, right? Uh, in any case, your camp is 100% uh, pure ESCK healing goodness. My schedule for Thursdays always had a half hour midday blocked out to make instant cup ramen, often with a poached egg thrown in and some available protein, drizzled with some sesame oil, and a cup of hot cocoa to sit down and get comfy with the outdoor club on their camping adventures. There is no other show that I watch this season with such regular clockwork or anticipation, even more so than Attack on Titan. Maybe it's just me wanting to go outside after being trapped in, in, inside for basically a year due to the pandemic, but you know, if Attack on Titan is anime at its best, telling stories we can't otherwise have in our own world, Eurocamp is an anime at its best at eliciting a positive emotion and taking you someplace in our world that you're currently not. Uh, easily a 5 out of 5 for me. So, in past years, I'd normally do a singular anime of the season award. However, with so many sequels this season, I sort of think it might be unfair to lump all the anime together under one banner, right? In particular, you know, if you have those other sequels, they have, you know, all the positive goodwill and built-up world-building and character development over all the additional episodes they had from prior seasons um, versus those that only had a chance to do that this one season. It's not really a fair comparison. Uh, to that end, I'm actually going to start breaking it out moving forward. Um, I have an anime of the season award. I'll have an anime of the season award for sequels and spin-offs, um, and then an anime of the season award for shows in their first season. Um, of course, it is going to be always cut and dry. For example, some shows like Jujutsu Kaisen have been running over two seasons, um, or even are going to be Split course, such as you know, uh, you know, slime coming up, you know, uh, later, um, or Musoko Tensei later on. Um, but you know, they do benefit a little bit, but I don't think as much as you know, Attack on Titan has with you know three other seasons of content. But we'll do our best. Uh, in any case, the question stands, right? So for anime sequel, anime of the season. Who's going to take the crown? Uh, is it going to be Eurocamp Season 2 or Attack on Titan the final season? I think most people would say this is an easy Attack on Titan, but the fact that I am hesitating kind of makes me think it might be Eurocamp, right? Like, my heart, I think my heart says it's going to be Eurocamp because there is no other show I had as much anticipation for all season. And while, you know, taking nothing away from Attack on Titan, having read the manga, um, I know there is, if you can believe it, even better stuff to come. Uh, kind of the difference between Attack on Titan Season 3 Part 1 and Season 3 Part 2, which of which I prefer the latter style, um, in the same way I think the final half of Attack on Titan's final season next year will be that for me. So to that end, against all odds, I have Eurocamp Season 2 as my sequel anime of the season. Congratulations. Okay, so moving on to the series I think would be eligible for a new anime of the season award. Uh, first up, we have Suppose a Kid from the Last Dungeon Boonies Moved to a Starter Town. Uh, in the end, uh, this one ended up being a little bit of a dud for me. Uh, mostly it's a comedy built on the premise that the title uh, so elaborately explains for the audience. Um, that said, by the halfway point of the season, the stick kind of got a little bit old. Yes, Lord is overpowered. Yes, he's still completely unaware, doesn't realize it. Yes, all the female characters in the series are slowly 
slowly becoming attracted to him, and they, if they weren't already, um, turning it into some kind of, you know, harem that he's completely unaware about. You know, I'll initially admit I was kind of fooled, thinking there might be some grander plot of, you know, uh, intrigue and mystery, which kind of went away after the first arc. Um, I guess there still is some to some degree, but not to the amount of depth that I was hoping for. That um, in the same that would you know blow your mind. So you know the animation quality also was you know not quite there. Um, I will say Riho of all the girls here is probably best girl from this show, but ultimately this one I think gets you know a sallow two out of five. Um, another show I had high hopes for that ultimately fell short was Idly Pride. The premise of this one, again, is a girl, the ghost of an idol helping her former manager raise a new generation of idols, including her younger sister, uh, who resented her, acti- her idol activities while she was alive, um, uh, you know, to surpass her, li- her record when she was alive. Um, you know, it seemed promising, especially you know, if there were more hijinks uh, used- utilizing her ghost status. However, a lot of the tropes of you know, the idol genre that usually turned me off just came back over time there were so many girls you know 10 total uh, outside at outside of the main two uh you know we really didn't get much characterization beyond you know some straight some tropes that were being played um and some sort of cliches and then the efforts that we're gonna do our best to become top idols was kind of like okay yeah 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 we've heard this all before right and we're gonna work hard and it's our dream and we're moving people i just i don't know didn't feel didn't wasn't adding anything new to the formula you know the 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 appealing the part that, that hooked me didn't really get paid off um which is the same right like you know there was i, I mean there was some resolution to the ghost storyline but not in the way that i think i would like to see like i think for like an idol genre so i want to see the idols bouncing off each other more um and you know maybe i i just want quote unquote like the uh what's it the subversion of the genres where it's like you know these are if it's like the whole idol thing is like oh these are perfect girls or whatever who you idolize like that just doesn't that just doesn't seem interesting to me. It's the ones I think where it's the the difference between oh they're trying to be great but then they're kind of like messed up. I think a little bit. I think it's like the uh, I think it was where the idols was idly enjoy the most come from. Um, you know, ultimately I think uh, you know I think I I think in the future if I go for other idol shows it'll have to be one that's a little bit more weirder and random in the comedies kind of like Ojikobe Futart and similarly have a limited number of girls that I can you know get to know a little bit better as opposed to you know some girls just being used for dance numbers and that's pretty much it uh, overall Idly Pride gets a 2 out of 5 from me uh, next up, again, adding to the educational Thursdays alongside Dr. Stones and the Cells at Work series is Heaven's Design Team. Um, as a freelancer, I can totally appreciate the pains the characters here face with regard to the client, God, uh, with unclear requests quests for the animals. Um, as someone who still appreciates a good edutainment show, it's always fun to learn more about the natural world in a new and unique way, right? Trying to guess which animal they were working on before it was finally revealed and approved, uh, which was an exercise in, whoa, I had no idea that was a thing in so that's super awesome. Uh, my only complaint is that they never seriously tried to tackle uh, how platypuses came around, which is, a, I think, a bit of a waste of potential. Uh, the fact that they even go into some of the mythological creatures and you know explain ecology and why certain designs don't work um, from a physics point of view is just also pretty cool. Ultimately, for what it was, a piece of entertainment, I think it did the job pretty well with fun, if you know, static characters, uh, you know, in the various designers. Ultimately, I think it gets a three out of five for me, um, a pass, or as God would say, Sayo. Okay, next up we have Kemono Jihen. Uh, this follows a bunch of supernatural Japanese mythological beings: Kabunene the half ghoul, Shiki the half arachne. 
uh, Akira the Half Snow Demon as they work for Tanuki Inugami's kimono agency, working to resolve issues caused by and affecting other kimono, um, occasionally butting heads against or working with uh, the Kitsune Inari and her underlings Kon and Nobimaru. Carbonate's uh, ultimate goal is, of course, to find his parents and who they were since they presumably abandoned him before the series began for some good reason. Um, you know, something about the first episode kind of turned me off, fearing it might turn into the generic Monster of the Week formula. And, you know, admittedly for the first third, it did. But I think what really worked here was, again, the main characters working really well together, I think, obviously. Um, and then, you know, and the first third was about introducing that cast and getting a carbon acclimated Tokyo. The latter two thirds were more longer arcs focusing on the backstories of Siki and Akira and, you know, this gets really dark really fast, uh, frankly speaking. I, I, there probably should be like a bit of an AIDS warning, warning on this. Um, and, you know, the season kind of ends off on the lead cliffhanger about, you know, potential lead on Carbonate's parents. So, you know, I think the show in the word is fine. You know, the, the action and animation were pretty great, especially hyping up during the particular combat sequences. Um, the creativity of various kimono were great, though a little bit dated if you already know about a bunch of different Japanese folklore. So in some senses, you know, somewhat predictable. Um, I don't think there was any egregiously bad about the show. It's kind of maybe the best compliment I can give about it. Um, some parts, you know, such as the way Khan and Kabane bounce off each other were super great. You know, Khan is definitely best girl here. Um, that said, I don't think it's a ton to stand out from other series that dig into the same folklore material, um, you know, ultimately giving this a score of 3 out of 5. Consider that, though, a strong 3. I was thinking about giving it a 4. And if there was second season, I'd definitely be following along. Now, moving up to the series, I got a 4 out of 5 for me. One that kind of surprised me was Jakuchara Tomozaki-kun, bottom-tier character Tomozaki. A bit more spoilers here, since I think it kind of requires those to be able to explain why I gave it a higher score. So it's off kind of shaky, right? As much as I love seeing Super Smash Brothers, uh... And, and, you know, specifically Super Brass Brothers Melee, it seems like, you know, represented in anime, uh, Tomozaki and Hinami framing life as a series of game tasks to accomplish felt kind of cringy. Um, eventually, though, this ex- and eventually this extended to Hinami specifically, framing relationships with other people as goals and tasks to accomplish uh, without considering, you know, what the other individuals might, in fact, their own feel, uh, on their own feel. Um, in fact, you know, it kind of felt almost sociopathic. So, you know, some moments ended up winning me over, though, you know, by the midway point. In particular, Tomozaki's rant partway through about how even if somebody sucks at something, the fact that they're grinding and working hard and every day they're better than their version of themselves the day before really spoke to me. So, you know, that was a bit in the middle where the focus on trying to self-improve somewhat was kind of waned a little bit, but, you know, still a lot of them to just focus and build out, you know, the rest of the rest of ki- the roster of characters, which, by the way, Mimi is definitely best girl of the season, no questions asked. Um, you know, by the end, I was really glad in the last two or three episodes or so uh, that they really tackled the issues that I had with kind of the philosophy they were pursuing, um, and they were able to kind of reverse Uno it by, you know, resolving that the conflict of philosophy you know, the, that conflict of philosophy of, you know, not of, you know, people don't, aren't just goals to accomplish, right? Relationships aren't just accomplishments, but also that, you know, you don't have to undermine the point of self-improving, right? So I think it's a real masterful writing. Um, maybe, you know, maybe personally, I didn't perhaps resonate that I don't think that, like, maybe I didn't need to have that. I won't say I was like the most popular kid in high school, but I definitely didn't feel the need to like, oh, I need to do these game-like things to improve myself, but I can still appreciate that kind of mindset of wanting to get better, and however you need to do it, I think, you know, it's definitely appreciated, right? So, you know, I think it's really masterful writing that they're able to have this core conflict in philosophy that, 
seemingly you can't contradict one without you know blowing up the entire premise of the show. But to be able to write it in a way that you don't contradict it while still putting forward a new philosophy, I think is really well done. Um, thinking about it a little bit more, I think in some ways this mirrors Rent a Girlfriend um, in a positive way, right? If Rent a Girlfriend, and in Rent a Girlfriend was a show I did not like, I bounced off within the third, after the third episode. But, you know, both of them are about presumably like a loser, a bit of, someone who's a bit of a loser who has, you know, a bit of an insult streak. Um, but he ends up, you know, in a pseudo relationship with girls and attracting a bunch of other girls who might like him, right? Um, now, what frustrated me about Rent a Girlfriend is that Kazuya doesn't do anything to make himself better, really, um, right? He, he 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 seems like kind of like a static character. Even reading the manga, yeah, he gets a little bit better in the manga, but not by that much. Um, on the flip side, you know, Tomozaki-kun starts out with someone who is a bit of a similar quote-unquote loser persistent, but you actually see the progress that Tomozaki makes over time, and it's really striking the difference between the first episode and the last episode version of himself. Um, and, you know, the girls grow to have genuine, genuine relationships with him and friendships that they don't have to be romantic for the most part, despite what sippers may want. You know, the fact that they can so positive, you know, platonic relationships is pretty great. You know, I was really ready to give this one a 3 out of 5 at the midpoint, but that masterful ending really was enough to bump this up for me to a 4 out of 5. I'd be super happy if they announced a season two. I know there's more source material out there for them to adapt, but you know I would also be completely happy with it as is. This is a pseudo romance story that I actually like, which is pretty rare. So again, four out of five for Jakuchara Tomozaki Kun. Now, for an actual romance, one of the highlights of the season probably was Horimiya. Now, at the start of the season, I thought this would have been an easy 5 out of 5. Um, I'll spill the bean right now. I think I dropped it down a little bit to a 4 out of 5. There are a couple of reasons for that. First, you know, it looks amazing, and if it were on art alone, it would be one of the best this season. The first 6 or 7 episodes focusing on the development of Hori and Miyamura's relationship and him wrestling with his lo previous loner status at school, those were masterpieces. I really enjoyed um, them for someone who really doesn't like romance shows. It was natural, didn't have unnecessary drama that's so so. I mean, it didn't set unrealistic expectations, but still kept things moving along and progress, um, you know, in the same way that, you know, uh, 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 Tomozaki-kun did, and perhaps not quite the same way that, that Tony Kawa did last season, or two seasons ago. Heck, you know, the scene when they finally become official, you know, was you know, was the most casual, low-key ways of confessing to somebody, and that was something I would ever seen in anime. It was just super refreshing. Um, you know, the, the roster side characters also, you know, being developed made things as enjoyable as they were being introduced. Now, the second half of this show, I think, fell into this, a lot of the same issues that some people had with the original manga source material. Um, at some point, you know, the manga devolved into mostly slice of life vignettes focusing on the side cast of characters and some of the conflicts, though I'm not sure if they were ever really persolved. Resolve per se. Um, now, you know, it's fun, but the tension from the first half of the show, um, you know, just the, the, the tension of characters, characters characterizing a developing relationship is very different from the 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 tension you have of characterizing someone in a slice of life so and I'm not quite sure they landed that switch quite as well perhaps part of it is that they were pulling kind of like the greatest hits from all of the episodes after they became official um, you know though apparently according to the manga readers some arcs were left out that should have been adapted but regardless I'm not a manga reader um, and I think part of the fact is that because in the manga, these were spaced out on a, on a monthly magazine for 10 years, right, 120 chapters, um, you kind of had that, that sense of time that there was time passing between these different events. Here, you had events that were happening, you know, weeks 
apart from each other, um, kind of being compressed down to a couple of minutes, right? And it felt like the shift in characters didn't really make sense, and there was some stuff missing in between. Um, so I think that's kind of what exacerbated like the feeling. It didn't feel like incomplete, maybe felt like a little bit rust, so on. Um, I believe the last episode actually adapted the final chapter of the manga, which just ended. Um, so, you know, it's a nice, touching wrap-up of this, you know, franchise overall. But again, it felt, you know, super rushed as an adaptation as a result. I still think it's a super fun show, especially the first half. And again, super gorgeous. Um, if the goal here was to get me to read the manga, probably succeeded. It, though I may not be buying the physical, I may like look up scan license online for it. Um, but you know, I think the production committee did their job in making this seem uh, um, uh, appealing enough to, to check out. But yeah, overall, I would say four out of five stars of Horror Mia, if only because what could have been, uh, you know, in the first half, which arguably might just be a source material issue, if that, that's what the source material is like after a certain point. Uh, sifting genres, or perhaps not, if you consider this to be a bit of a yaoi romance, uh, we have Skate the Infinity. Now, I started off really liking the show because of its portrayal of enthusiasts of a hobby finding the fun in a chosen sport in their own way, um, including all the hard work and grinding to get good at it. Um, the animation, varied cast, you know, soundtrack, all made us a wild romp that was just super fun up through episode 6. Um, and in the latter half, things got a little bit dark. Uh, Sir, it is an arc about feeling left behind from your friend skill-wise that makes sense for like a sports-ish type show, um, and it's ultimately resolved by the end, but I, I think it dragged down a little bit too long and then you know this is the weird creepy stuff with adam and his obsessions that i don't think quite nailed the landing um and yeah there was an attempt at a redemption for him um which kind of worked but not completely um you know i'll admit i can't say how i would have done it better so maybe it's not like maybe that's just me talking out my ass to like say it could have been better without giving an actual solution to it but you know I will give it props. As an original anime series with no existing source material, I have to applaud the ambition, and I can't really disagree with the ending that they chose um, and the overall message that they were trying to get, get across. So overall, Skate the Infinity, 4 out of 5. Now, that brings us to the final two shows, uh, which both got 5 out of 5s. Uh, first up, a leftover from Fall 2020, we have Jujutsu Kaisen. I mean, what can I say? You know, the first season in the fall set up a world of curses and cursed users that get, get really dark, reminiscent of the likes of Yu Yu Hakusho or Bleach, uh, with beautiful combat animation all around, you know, as expected of the director of God of High School. And then uh, add on that a fun cast of characters as well. You know, the second half then transitions into the all-important Sonin tournament arc, where the side those same side characters have a chance to have their day in the sun and power-ups and new moves get debuted and all that. So, no, no spoilers, but, you know, four words for those in the know, Boogie Woogie and Best Friendo. Um, that's really made, you know, for, from one particular character, really made that second half. Again, you know, no spoilers. You know, to close it off, you know, there's another mini arc that kind of just reminds us how much we love the main three characters um, and kind of how messed up the world is to some degree. Um, you know, I believe there was a prequel movie in the works, which hopefully hints that they're going to be making a season two um, coming down the pipeline. And, you know, while I may be trying to keep an open mind for everything, you know, especially the more archy stuff or stuff in genres that I normally don't really like when it comes to anime, at my core... I'm a Sonin Trash, you know, Trash Junkie who, you know, inject that shit straight into my veins. You know, I've been holding out on reading the manga until the season ended and definitely looking forward to catching up on that soon. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen is an easy 5 out of 5 for me. 
Finally, we have Musoku Tensei, or Jobless Reincarnation. Now, there's a lot of think pieces and dialogue out there about this. So, you know, obviously, you know, if it's at the end of my list, I'll, I'll again, this is this sort of got a five out of five for me. Um, I like to, I like to let in on high notes. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy about the pervy baby turning off a lot of people, which I can get and, you know, can appreciate. Um, and, you know, some, some, you know, uh, sexual assault or sexual harassment stuff that 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 goes on throughout. Um, that said, I think Giga's video on the series, which you could watch, you know, you should watch if you haven't had a chance. I'll get in the show notes. Says it well. You know, you cannot agree or approve of what a character does in the show while still enjoying the show itself. Like Breaking Bad, for example, right? Like as much as there's Walter White, like you like he's a he's the protagonist. Should you really be rooting for him if he's you know? making heroin to sell to people, right? Like, come on, right? So I, I think in today's age of online discourse, because of the way that conversations happen online, there's not a lot of nuance anymore, right? You And, and there's no way, and you know, you're either entirely for something or entirely against something with no subtlety involved, right? Um, it's super polarized, and I think we need nuance for this kind of show for Musoku Tensei, for what it does from a storytelling perspective. Yes, Rudy is a piece of shit early on, and even later on, but that's kind of the point. Almost every character in the show is messed up to some degree. You know, his dad, to Eris, to Rujir, to Sylphie, okay, maybe not Sylphie, um, um, she's too pure for now. Um, but you know, her aside, Giga also resonated with another reason I really enjoyed the show. It engaged with the idea of being an isekai beyond an excuse to be a power fantasy in another in another world, right? Um, it actively engages with the idea of what does it mean to be reincarnated someplace else um, and being an isekai, right? And it's a it's a driving force in Rudy's characterization over time. And it's not something, right? Obviously, right? Like this show is getting another. It's another split core, right? They have twelve seasons this past season. Another twelve in the summer. Studio Bind made explicitly to adapt hopefully the entire light novel um, series uh, which which would definitely take more than just two seasons to do so you know it, this is kind of like judging like oh because someone did something terrible at the beginning you can't ever like them like where's the redemption that's the whole point of the show right to some degree some sort of redemption and maybe it's not redemption in that like he completely stops being a perv down the line right and you can judge him for that and not like him all you want for that sure but the fact that like there is still like a character improvement from being a loser who had no who had no desire to live life versus where he is now in his new world living life, you know, in his own way, I think that's kind of the point of the show, right? Now, you know, again, like I said, you know, and, and on top of that, you know, you have the amazing animation from, from Studio Bind, this amazing soundtrack and the music, right? So, you know, the again, the story continues on, not this coming season, but split core into summer 2021. Um, but, you know, even these 12 episodes we have now, I have to give it a 5 out of 5, both for the potential of what it has for the larger story um, or, you know, for the sheer animation quality part of it um, and what's presented here and now. Now, that begs the question. Which is my new anime of the season for Winter 2021. The two candidates are the two 5 out of 5 shows, Musoku Tensei and Jujutsu Kaisen. Now, what I said going into the fall 2020 anime of, this, anime of the season awards was I gave it to Akudama Drive because I wanted to see how Jujutsu Kaisen would stick the landing. And on that metric, I think it did. Um, it does, again, kind of feel somewhat unfair because, you know, we have 12, 26, 24, 20 some, 20 some odd episodes of Jujutsu Kaisen for all the characterization and whatnot compared to the only 12 episodes for Musoku Tensei, even though knowing there will be 12 more in the summer. So, you know, I think, though, 
if you take a time time machine back and look at the first 12 episodes of Jujutsu Kaisen, I still like those a little bit more than I think for Musoku Tensei um, in that regard. So you know, I, I'm pretty comfortable, I think, giving Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, you know, the uh, anime, the new anime of the season award for me. Um, yeah, maybe Musoku Tensei has better world building and better animation, but I mean, if it's a personal thing, you know, I I'm a sonin like I said, I'm a sonin junkie at trash. So um, that that's that I'm a sonin junkie junkie trash at my core. So. In any case, we have one or two or three more awards to give out. Uh, starting this season onward, I'm going to be awarding an award for the best OP and give one for best ending as well, ED. Um, plus, depending if there's a show that has both a great OP and ED, I'll give out a best overall themes award, uh, depending uh, which disqualifies it from the other two, just so I can showcase more songs. Um, again, I'm not sure if that's applicable, going to be applicable every season or if that's just the case this season because there are so many shows. Um, no, even more so than my ratings for anime, which I try to some degree, even if I don't like the show, perhaps, I, if I can appreciate the artistic quality of it or technical quality, I'll still rate it somewhat high. Um, here, this is definitely pure subjectivity. My First off, it's going to be at 75% based on my musical taste, more so than anything else. And then the last 25% being the visuals, with any tiebreaker is probably being, you know, how well did this show fit the show and serve the purpose of being an opening and ending for the show. Um, you know, in sort, you know, you're definitely gonna need a bang of a song to qualify. And then, you know, we'll decide from there based on animation, how well it fit. Um, I'll also only be looking at the TV size version of the songs, not the full album track. And again, I'm only looking at shows I actually watch through to completion to the end because sometimes these shows need a little bit time to, you know, grow on you. Uh, so for this season, sorry, uh, Beastars and Kabitsu by Yao Saobi. Um, you're for now on the bench. I may retroactively go back and fix it. We'll see. Anyway, for opening songs, the nominees are Cells at Work, Season 2, Gogo Cyborg Fiesta by the cast. Jakuchawa Tomozaki-kun, Jinsei Easy by Dialogue Plus. Log Horizon Season 3, Different by Bandmaid. By Bandmaid. Skate the Infinity, Paradise by Rude A, Rude Alpha. Eurocamp Season 2, Seize the Day by Asuka. Yeah. 
the winner is Zakutara Tomozaki-kun's Jinsei Easy by Dialogue Plus. Now, speaking on the other candidates real quickly, Cells at Work, I'm a sucker for the casting altogether, plus the beneficial, be- the lactic acid bacteria's cute little ew, 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 throughout just really sold me. Um, Log Horizon Season 3 may not be the banger that database was, it's just different. Okay, sorry, that's a bad joke. Um, but, you know, kicking it off with a, let's go, it's so time, and to a rock wave just was super catchy and really set the mood for each episode. Uh, Skate the Infinity's opening sounded something out of Bruno Mars, I think, um, which I really enjoy, and so you know, just enough funk throughout to keep me going. Um, and then Eurocamp, I never skipped for its op- upbeat opening, heralding exciting camping ahead. Uh, that being said, Jakuchara Tomozaki-kun's idol song track song with video game chiptune throughout and the upbeat melody really got to me. It was just pure fun. Um, you know, the various girls in the animation singing along uh, really made really, really endeared them to my heart. Um, you know, kind of in the same way that I think Peggy's um, the the song Peggy's from or the Peggy song from uh, uh, Went the Girlfriend. You know, really uh, helped that song as well. Um, and then you know, mixed with the blocky video game version of Tomozaki, who kind of thematically fitting in. Um, you know, just fit fit in overall super well. So congrats to Chakuchawa Tomozaki Kun for best OP of the season. Uh, before we get to the ED nominees, uh, some honorable mentions. Idly Pride did the thing where they have different EDs throughout, which I always find super impressive, um, e- even though it means that likely no one uh, ending song is going to really make an impact to me as much if it changes from week to week. Um, and then Horimiya's song may not have hooked me, but the cute diorama animations of the ending uh, was really appealing, so I wanted to give them a shout-out for that. Uh, in any case, the nominees for best ending songs are... Cells uh, at Work Black, Uke Wo Muite Hakobu by Hiroyuki Hayashi. Heaven's Design Team, designed by Heaven by the cast. Kumo Desu Naga Nanika, Ganbereg Kumoko san by Aoyuki. State the Infinity, Infinity by Yuri. And then Euro Camp Season 2, Haru no Tonari by Eri Sasaki. Uh, 
And the winner is Skate the Infinities, Infinity by Yuri. Uh, speaking of from each of the other nominations quickly, Southside Work Black, pretty peppy, upbeat sense of Hakobe, 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 which I think translates to like the imperative form of work. So it's like giving a command to work. Um, this adds to the corporate dystopianism of the show. Uh, really contrasted with the often bleak endings of each episode. This is pretty hilarious to go from dark, dreary, we're having a heart attack to Hakobe, 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 Hakobe. Okay, um, Heaven's Design Team ending was high fun energy to end each episode with a flipbook storybook aesthetic for the animation. Kumo Desu Ka just reinforces uh, Aoyuki's legendary status as a seiyu, uh, doing uh, insane high-speed lyrics in like a metal band style fashion um, with a bit of fourth wall breaking as he describes what the character has been through. Um, again, he's just a legend for doing that. And if I, now, and then you recap, you know, again, it's a nice relaxing way to unwind after the most comfy of shows with a full belly of vomit. Now, as far as Skate the Infinity goes, the reggae-esque tunes of the track were definitely a feel-good vibe that sometimes clashed with some of the darker endings of the of the episodes, but you know, it ultimately just reinforced how fun skating is, right? And the animations here really sold it with these amazing skaters you see throughout, uh, having their fair share of bumps and bruises and spills to get as good as they are, which I think is always something that's worth showing off for these skill-based sports shows that hard work and, and lots of failure are a necessary part of getting good. So uh, congrats to Skate the Infinity. Now, of course, the final award, as I mentioned, is the show with the best themes overall, both opening and ending, which disqualified it uh, from winning the awards. And the winner here is Eurocamp. Um, while I didn't watch Eurocamp all the way in season one as it was airing, um, they follow uh, they followed the same leads, the same formula as the last season, which worked. You know, an upbeat, cheery song to start, perhaps sung from the point of view of an excited Nadesiko. And then a more calm, reflective song to end, perhaps sung by the more level-handed Rin uh, in her perspective. It kind of shows the dichotomy of what camping is, you know, something excited for, but also something relaxing. Um, all I know is that these two songs, I did not skip a single time the entire season while watching the, se- the, the show, which is rare for me. I'll usually skip through most opening and endings to, you know, if I'm watching, like, what, a ton of shows, I definitely need to uh, make, make sure I'm efficient about my time doing so. Um, so again, congrats to Eurocamp uh, for this honor. So, to recap the awards given out this season for Winter 2021, the short anime of the season, Poi Poi Molkar, sequel anime of the season, Eurocamp Season 2, new anime of the season, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, opening of the season, Jakuchara Tomozaki-kun, ending of the season, Skate the Infinity, and then overall themes of the season, Eurocamp Season 2. Uh, overall, I am continuing on with four full, full shows, plus one sort, um, and then uh, for into next season, um, plus five sorts, um, you know, I completed the season and 16 full-length shows, which is a little bit above average from what I usually do. Um, but again, this is a super packed winter 2021 season. Um, but hey, time moves on. It's time for uh, spring 2021. 
And with that, we did 2021. Look back, it's now complete. Um, time to work through Swing 2021. Again, I got about 50 episodes to work through, plus the half dozen or so continuing shows I just mentioned. So um, not to mention, right, there are a bunch of sequels to show that I haven't seen the first ep- uh, season enough. So that's going to be uh, Zombieland, Marcy Matakun, and Megalobox. I need to check out to see if I'm going to be checking out their sequels. Um, and of course, you know, Demon Slayer is coming to the States later this month, April 23rd in theaters. I'm going to have my COVID vaccine all done by then. Um, so, you know, I've got to get up to season one to be able to watch it in theaters, right? Uh, in the meantime, though, let me know what your favorite show from Winter 2021 was. Were there any I missed or did I hit all the highlights? What do you think about my decision to put uh, Eurocamp over Attack on Titan for sequel anime this season? Is Gojo uh, really the reason that, you know, Jujutsu Kaisen won Best New Season of so the sequel. And is Poor Poor Molkar secretly better than all of the other shows this season combined? Uh, you can let me know on Twitter at YetAnnoAnnyPod or via email at YetAnotherAnimePodcast at gmail.com. You can follow my My Anime List at NinjaBoy333, Boy with an I. You'll find on all the major platform service, podcast services, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Or at the very least, share the show with another one of your otaku friends. Uh, if you want to be more directly support the show, you can do so on patreon.com links to all of that will be in the show notes intro and outro music is provided by suichi sakagami at tandas.com editing production is provided by ninja boy media that's it for this episode we air on the first and third fridays of each month uh, next time on yet another anime podcast we again will be hitting our one year anniversary and looking at all of the spring 2021 anime until then though see you space cowboy